You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I am your co-host, Pastor Josh. And joining with us today is none other than Joe Curtis, who, by the way, forgot my carrot cake (laughs) at his house. And I was really looking forward to it because he sent me a text message with the big old carrot cake. Oh. And he had already stolen a piece out of it, but nevertheless, I don't, you know, I love carrot cake. So anyways, I don't know if we should, maybe we should kick him out. So this says a lot about your character because we still give him a mic. Oh, wait. after the Exactly. Well, I just said, do we kick him out? So uh, <laughs> no. I guess I guess. Well, we, oh, said no. yeah, we said no. Yeah, we said no. No, no, no. <laughs> and with my other, yeah, so Joe Curtis is obviously joining us, but I have my lovely co-host Matt Shiles with me who it keeps me grounded keeps me gospel centered as I wanted to kick Joe out but Thank you, Matt. Matt just chimed right in do, do, appreciate well, it appreciate do we it really want to he was about to we, put me back in the cave <laughs> we have to fight for unity I know we're going to be talking about There's that one today. thing we should fight for in the church yeah, is unity. unity wonderful even through carrot cake debacles yes <laughs> yeah. well welcome Joe I'm glad you're here Thank even you, though you forgot my carrot cake <laughs> Well, this is going to be a an extra special episode today. Not only because Joe is joining us, but because we're gonna um, we're gonna take some time digging into two articles. So this is going to be a little different. Instead of spending time on the sermon, we're going to take some time. Um, recently, you wrote two articles. I did, but uh, just a, just a word about Pastor Derwin's message this past weekend. It was really really good. I appreciate him. Mm. And the word he brought, but I, I gave him a hard time. I texted him. I'm like, man, what what is it with you and like number two and, and bowel movements? Like, have you not had one in a while? Like, what is you know? Because he had this example of Dookie, Dookie and, and Lukey. Yeah. And then he was talking about his grandma. Yeah. Her remedy. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Her remedies. Like, if if you're if you're constipated, she help you out. I'm like, bro. Like, that was really, really. Yeah. That, that was my takeaway. Which you know. Is, yes. But to be fair, we'll probably remember it. Oh well, yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, well, what what did it have to do with the sermon? Jesus, somehow, you know. Anyways, no. Um, that's 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 a little inside joke with like. My, my family, in particular, my wife, would you preach on Jesus? <laughs> you know, so I'm sure it had to do something with Jesus. So, but no, it was it was a great word. So grateful Amen. for him and Amen. But being the salt and light of the world, yeah, Amen. being able to shine. So it was it was really good. So, anyways, I wanted to you know, at least give a shout out to Pastor Derwin. But yeah, the the articles, and so I'm I wanted to give myself a year uh, to really get settled in before I started writing again. And so now I'm right. I'm picking that back up yeah. where you know I'm starting out with blogs, which if you you know I've extensively have written over the years, and if you go to and which I never tell people about my website, but sure. hey, I have a website, joshlaxton.com, but I have like a decade worth of just writing, so yes. Yes. That, so I'm getting back to doing it and grateful that I'm being able to carve out time to do it. Yeah, so today we're going to take time to dig into to two of these. Um, so this is a conversation on church reviews and church shopping. Um, so in April, you wrote, should Christians write a review about a church? 
And then just on Monday, um, you released one called Church Shopping, How to Find the Right Church. So both of these are on joshlaxton.com, and we hope that you spend, um, spend a little bit of time reading through these and using this podcast as a way to uh, dig a little deeper and think a little more critically about these topics. Yeah, and, well, and they're a form of discipleship. I mean, one of the yeah. things I was telling a staff member last week is, you know, I just don't want to teach on the weekend. I just don't want that to be the only medium that that the Lord uses for me to help mm. in this spiritual formation, to teach people. And like, so so these reviews are, they're, they're written from obviously experience in the sense of I, I've, I've watched people or I've seen reviews that people have left. I mean, even before I came here, yeah. I would go on and see what kind of reviews people have left of Northland. And so, I mean, so these are very much a relevant thing. So I, I, I try not to write on irrelevant things. Sure. But, but yeah, so they are a form of spiritual formation, discipleship to make us even think. A little deeper about these subjects than you know, just the shooting off the cuff things that we typically do. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. So what we'll do is we'll spend our time asking a couple questions um, about each of these articles, and then we will end our time looking forward to um, a couple of our preaching series this summer. And I think they really tie in well to what we're going to be talking about today. Um, So that first article is: Should Christians write a review about a church? Um, just kind of a, a quick, simple overview. Um, you talked about four things, really asking four questions. Um, you should ask yourself, uh, what do I have to say? Um, why do I want to say it? Uh, how important is it? And finally, would Jesus be pleased by it? Um, so under that first question, um, what do you have to say? You mentioned, um, what would this reveal about you. And I think this brings up an interesting point because it could reveal an opportunity to, to guide and shepherd the individual. But if, if the poster is, is either anonymous or either not willing to uh, come under the care of the shepherd, how, how might we go about that? Well, so, yeah, w- what do you have to say? So if it's positive and encouraging, that, that would be a really good Review. It's you know you want to tell the world I had a positive and encouraging experience. Mm. Now again, th- this is applied to the church. And if you have a more of a negative review, here's a, here's a, even a couple more things that you need to ask yourself. Did I even talk to someone about this? Yeah. Like so, if you really do have a problem, if something didn't go well. Did you even try to address it? Because at the end of the day, and this even goes, you know, there's going to be a lot of overlapping with these articles. Are, yeah. But if you treat the church as as you would treat a Burger King, sure, you're just going to hop on Yelp. You're going to hop on and you're just going to write a nasty review. Yeah. Or if you're going to treat the, the church the way you treated the solar company that came and did, you know, like. Yeah. It, but the, the, that's not how how we should treat the church if you really do have a problem. Start out with trying to find someone to to talk about the issue, the problem, the bad experience that you had. So what what do you have to say? So is it positive? Is it negative? Is it constructive feedback? Is it is it not? Like mm-hmm. like uh, and I might use some personal kind of experiences in terms sure. you know in this because it's fun. Yeah. But I, re- I read a re- review about Northland. This was months ago. Okay. 
And it was about someone who attended a concert here. It wasn't uh, even a Northland thing. Sure. Like we, you know, obviously, there are times where uh, we host. Mm-hmm. A venue, you know, kind of we're a venue that hosts Christian concerts and 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 CFCA concerts and stuff. And so, so in some sense, we 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 had nothing to do with the music that was playing in just the lobby. And but somebody wanted to put, well, they played non-Christian music. Well, I mean, like, okay, so so you, like, did you even think to yourself before you, you know? And so it's like, why why do you want to say that? You know, and then if you had a problem with a church playing, you know, non-Christian music, did you even ask, "Hey, can you can can you share with me why y'all yeah. were playing non-Christian music?" Mm. And then we would have been glad to say, "Well, it wasn't our event, <laughs> you know, right. and, and so and it wasn't a corporate worship gathering too, because I'm not, you know, we're we're, we're not we're we're not playing, you, you know, uh, I'm trying to think, you, you know, of a of a band off the top of my head, but but we're not playing those things on Saturdays gathering." Yeah. Or Sunday morning, wor- you know, worship gathering. Like so, so it was just really weird of of, of the review that mm-hmm. you you took the time yeah. to put that review up. And so, why, you know, what what do you have to say? And then even is it even worth saying? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. some things aren't worth saying. Yeah, yeah. Keep them to yourself. Yeah. But it seems like a lot now. These it's society nowadays to where every opinion is supposed to be important. And I'm going to make my opinion known to as many people as possible, whether I have any expertise in it or anything. I'm just going to let it out there. Yeah. And I, I always say, and I think I said before, it's the electric courage. Mm. Nobody goes and just sits down mm. to say, hey, let's just talk about this. Mm. They yeah. would rather go and just put it out there. Somebody had told me, gosh, I really wish I could remember, but so this is not original. I got this from somewhere, so it is either I had a conversation with somebody or I read it in a book. But if you think about this this medium of review mm-hmm. and how that that is a form of power. Yeah. Because words are weighty, sure. words have power. Yeah. And particularly those who are nasty, those who leave negative reviews, there's probably something going on in that person's life where this is their only outlet where they feel like they have control and power and they use it in an abusive manner. And so, you, so again, like, I understand that we live in a world that constantly beats you up. Like, you, you constantly feel like you have no control, you have no power. But yet, when you have, when you're sitting there in in in, in, your, in your skibbies in your home, and you're you're like, you know, you're fuming over something that you you have this phone in your hand that actually is a is a form of power. Yeah. And so you're just go you're going to go on. The, uh, the Google, Yelp, and leave a really bad review. And and again, this this could be for a church. This could be for a restaurant. Is like, do, do you really like? Do you really see yourself wielding power? If not, you need to see yourself as wielding power because we just don't give. We don't. We, you know, we don't give tools that can hurt a child who does not know how to use power. Yet we have adults, grown adults, mm-hmm. who have phones and computers that are powerful. Mm-hmm. They can be used to build up. They can be used to tear down. And they use it in an abusive manner because there's more. There's more going on in their heart. Than what they would will you know, what they would even lend you know kind of um, uh, well it's more going on in them than what they would even want to profess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I'm going to come back to that power because it connects yeah. to the second article. Yeah. Uh, but 
it just reminds me of going back. What we're saying is that we're supposed to not act like the world. And mm-hmm. you even made a comment of, in short, let your master moderate your message. Yeah. And it's just thinking about, are, you know, if you're doing this online, what does your life look like? Mm-hmm. Are you doing the same thing? And the the comment, and I kind of want to get, I want you to respond to that yeah. also. Of, but even in another comment you wrote, would Jesus write this review about one of his churches? There's the zinger from last. Well, there, there's, yeah, there's the zinger. <laughs> yeah, what would he write? Like, because, and it goes back to even, and we'll we'll get to the second article, but. You have to do a triage, like, you know, a, a triage of what you're going to say mm. and how important is it? Because if it's a personal preference, mm. then, then you need to take that under consideration because it, I, want, I want, think about it because I know that we live in a review centric and I've, I've said that for years now. We live in a review centric society. So when I'm about to make a purchase on Amazon, I'm looking at the reviews. What have they said? Every time. About the review. <laughs> yes. Yep. And so, so new people, I understand people are going to maybe for a church too. They're going to go, they're going to look at the website sure. and particularly for Northland, we have 546 re- like like reviews. Yeah. But that's a lot for a church. So when people start, you know, reading reading the comments, I mean, uh, so so you have to do I would say, you know, I'm again, I'm saying you have to I, I would I would strongly suggest you do a triage mm. because your review could make an eternal difference in someone's life. Mm. Because if you're reviewing a church not based upon a primary tenet, yeah. a doctrinal belief, yeah. and you criticize and you negatively come after a church because you didn't have a good experience, but yet they preach the gospel, mm. and someone reads your negative experience... And they were like, you know what? Well, they the music was too loud or whatnot. You know what? You, you know, or they they the service was really long or whatever it may be. And you prevent someone from going to that church and hearing the gospel. God's going to hold you accountable for that. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and so you again, you have to do a theological. That's part of where you have to do a theological triage. Is this worth? And you know, what are the unintended consequences that could be because you posted that? Yeah. That's where you think more deeply. Yeah, like it's, and this even goes back to. A you know a, 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 a philosophy that I have about all right if I got a bad email somebody sent it to me mm. I don't immediately respond I need to sit on it mm. I need to digest it like even these articles I know that sometimes it can be very raw yeah. when I when I do the first draft yeah. so I actually need to sit on it. And, and and you actually saw multiple versions of the article as yeah. I said on it, and I I wasn't as as strong like in some sense like in a, in a in a strong negative sense I yeah. tried to pull it back in a more positive sense like the, the edges got rounded off a bit yes, it became yes, a little more pastoral exactly yeah. so that's where like you have to do a the you have to do a triage like mm. what do I want to say and and why do I want to say it and then. Is, is how I'm saying it? Is it, you know, but this is where Christians yeah. should do that. Mm-hmm. We should be better at writing reviews than the world. Well, well, so, we are, yes. well, we are called yeah. to a, we're called to a higher standard. Yeah. And um, 
a common three theme of today will be we really need to, to fight for unity. And I think um, this culture and our world today in North America demands us to think critically about um, the digital world we're in. Right. And if you want to say, and like, and I, I've, I've seen people, you know, again, I've only been here at Northland for a little over a year. But it's so funny how even people are still posting reviews about what happened, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. Listen, that that's the past. Sure. And here's another thing that I would say is you might not know the whole truth about some things. And so if you don't know the whole truth, don't be going posting quarter truths that you think you know. Because, again, that's slander and that's gossip. And the last I checked for a believer, both slander and gossip are sin. And, and a Christian a Christian should not want to participate publicly in sin. Yeah, that, and that, that's <laughs> so, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. We, we see it. And I'll tell you, just to add, I uh, was on a leadership conference with uh, some pastors and young pastors from Zimbabwe, Pastor Gus and I. And they are talking about they want there's people are hungry for churches that just teach doctrine, yeah, because they are in flux with other things that are not doctrine. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it goes back to I think what you're talking about what we have here in North America of the pick and choose mm-hmm. review of everything instead of saying what is there, what's the gospel. Let's yeah. just go, and it leads us right into the second article. Uh, of church shopping, how to find a church, and the different principles. And I love the first principle. (laughs) And I think we forget this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there is no perfect church. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, If you you find one, let me know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If you find a perfect pastor, (laughs) let me know. Exactly. You will not find one. And I think... Because we're always thinking we want a perfect church, it's our point of view, and it goes back to that power. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to Matt before, uh, you know, before we got started. It was just like people don't want to give up control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but, it, but, uh, I, 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 yeah, so I, I no. want you to be able to. But here's another thing that I've, I've I've really tried to, in a very nice way over the years, especially those Christians that are are extremely negative and critical about about things like they're trying to have their their own customized experience. I've just encouraged them if you feel that strongly, go plant a church. Mm-hmm. Go pastor a church. Yeah. But here's the thing, it's much easier for them <laughs> yes. to 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 do what you're saying than it is for them to actually do the the, the, the hard, you know, laborious, tedious, sacrificial work yeah. of actually leading a church. Mm. Mm. So so it's easier to to slander and mm. to cut down church leaders than it is to actually go and be a church leader. Mm. And uh, but but it, so again, it's, it's it, it really is it's for them. It's the power, you know. It, it, it's 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 just easier to do this, this way, like you know, versus oh me actually being vulnerable. That's one of the hardest things about I, one of the most difficult things about church ministry 
and being in church leadership is the vulnerability mm-hmm. that everything that I do is under scrutiny. Mm-hmm. How I lead is under scrutiny. How I preach is under scrutiny. How I conduct myself is under scrutiny. The words that I use under scrutiny. I am completely scrutinized holistically mm-hmm. as a person, which is it, it is part of the what I would say the call on my life is that yeah. I just understand the difficulty of of, of church ministry. Mm. Um, and I really do want to be, a, when I say a, a good pastor in the eyes of the Lord, but but doing that is actually being vulnerable to the bite of the sheep. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and so <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I, I use the vulnerable, vulnerable to the bite of the sheep because I used to have a, a pastor friend of mine, he, you know, he talks about uh, shepherding the sheep. He has a whole lesson on it. And one of the things he would say is that sheep bite. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so and, and it does hurt. And that's that, that, is, that is true. And I don't think people realize how vulnerable a pastor is or just the pastoral ministry is when, you know, a church. Yeah. And that's very important because as someone that is looking for a church, you know, you have to realize, you know, the thought, can I submit to the leadership structure and thus personally the leaders of the church? Yeah. Can you talk about how just, I guess, the thinking, the submission of that, because in this day and age, submission the words obey, all of those are kind of dirty words in culture right now. Well, that's right, because the customer is king in our culture. Mm-hmm. So if you treat the church as a Burger King where you want your Whopper your way, your way. right away, sure. then, then yes, you're not, you don't see the general manager or the assistant manager or even the, the staff employee as – as exercising authority over you. No, you, customer is king. Hmm. Well, if you think you are the customer king at a church, you have completely missed missed the boat. Hmm. Like, and, and, and this is this is another thing that gets gets in people's mind. Well, I tithe, therefore I have a right. No, hang on. A tithe <laughs> does not give you, no. you are not a, you're not, that's not giving you market share of the church. Yeah, you're not buying the church. Like you're not, you know, yeah. No, you, yeah. you are giving out of sacrificial obedience to the Lord. Yeah. And so therefore you're not dictating, well, Lord, since I gave you 10%, I, I demand. No, no. Heck to the all. Like, no, like, you don't do that to the Lord. Sure. So therefore, you don't do it to his church. Mm. Now, again, if you have a suggestion, if you, you if you were like, hey, you know, when when this when you do this, it, like, like if you want to sit down, but but just because you tithe does not give you a right to start barking commands to church staff, which goes back to another thing that I want to make sure that I say, especially at a church like Northland. Like, I want to pastor the staff well. Yeah. So if you come against the staff in a negative way and you're and you're ugly, I promise you, I promise you, you will get a you will get contacted by me mm-hmm. or Pastor Derwin. Because ultimately, I'm a shepherd over everyone, both staff and lay. That, that there really is no distinction. One one person, yeah, is is here to help facilitate the ministry and mission, mm. while while also helping people be mobilized. And and so I, I I want us to treat each other with dignity and respect. If I ever find a staff person that is mean and nasty to a lay person. 
I, I'm telling you, yeah. I'm coming like be, because like we have to treat each other with honor and respect and dignity and value. Mm-hmm. And so regardless of whether you are on staff or not on staff, regardless of whether you tithe or not, like, mm-hmm. listen, but but yeah, it, it is so, so vitally important that that we treat each other with with this mutual respect and even mutual submission too because mutual submission is a principle that actually Paul teaches in Ephesians mm. and so that mutual submission is that you know what if you have something that you want to share with me to help enhance what what God's called me to do I want to hear it and if I don't want to hear it then there's something wrong with me mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and so that's where I feel like even Church members can come to a staff member, and in a mutually submissive way, we should be receptive mm. to to when I say uh, constructive feedback, mm-hmm. because you're wanting to make us better, you know, not wanting to get your whopper the way you want it though. Mm. But so, the conversation so yeah. and just the sit down of this is what I saw, yeah, and this is what I did not like, but he's having the conversation face to face. <laughs> you know, we tie back in the other piece, but it's just, yeah. you know. <laughs> just but, but yeah, and, and going back to that principle too, Joe, like I wanted to make sure that it was it was one principle but with two sides. Mm-hmm. One, there is no church out there that's perfect. Therefore, you need to find a church that's purposeful. Yeah. And so okay. – and, and then but, – but you're really trying to anchor the purpose in – to what God's purpose for the church is, <laughs> and so that's where I, you know, I quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, well, I, there's a there's a missiologist that talks about the church did not give birth to God's mission. God's mission gave birth to His church, mm-hmm. which is really important when you think about the order, because if you think that the church gave birth to mission, then you would see the church as primary. Mm-hmm. No, the mission is primary. And the church is the primary vehicle by which God is advancing his mission. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's why you're wanting to figure out, okay, what church <laughs> that what church is not perfect, but is purposeful, who is partnering with God on his mission that I can participate with God on his mission with this church. <laughs> so that's why that principle was very intentional yeah. with one principle but two sides of that principle. Gotcha. Yeah. And, yeah thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I love that point, and I think um, I think if you're interested in digging into that more, I would encourage you to go back to our Made for Mission series yeah. we had in the fall um, because we, we really start there, um, the mission of God, and then, then how we fit into it. And um, and yeah, there, there's a couple main themes that are that are kind of happening here, and um, us recognizing that we were um, we are set apart as a people, and the church the church is set apart, and and we have to have to have to understand that that the the church cannot just be viewed in this consumeristic way. Yeah. Um, if we view it in this consumeristic way, we're going to fall into these traps. But if we represent, if we recognize the distinctness of it and our distinctness, then we're going to be guided by biblical principles, not by principles. I got a zinger. I got a zinger. It just, okay. came up. It just came to me. <laughs> if you fall into the trap of treating the church as a consumer, you cheapen, you cheapen what Jesus did to die for the church. Amen. Yeah. So, because Jesus didn't treat the church as a consumer, mm. he died that the church might be birthed. Mm. And so, when you view the church 
in a consumeristic manner, you cheapen grace. Mm, and so, so let's not cheapen grace. Yeah. And which again, and it, it's so easy. To, I yeah. mean, I, I get it. I mean, I yeah. really do. I, I've really tried to least tell people in these articles. I understand why we've gotten here, but that doesn't mean we have to stay there. Yeah. So. So, so in this second article, church shopping. You laid out one principle, two questions, and three challenges. Yep. We're not going to dig into all of them because we want to encourage you to go read that on, on your own. Um, but in there, you know, the two questions really center around the um, just the, the the primary beliefs and the importance of of doctrine. Um, and the question I have is really centered around one of these three challenges you give us which is, I'll read it, instead of asking your current church to change to accommodate your preferences, it'd be wise first to ask the Lord to change you. So just this idea of um, sometimes there are personal preferences and sometimes reform really is needed inside of a church. Can you just talk about the, the difference and maybe the tension there? How, how do we discern the difference? Well, you have to understand, well, like, what are you reforming? Because like, one, uh, an author that, that I read years ago, he actually has a statement, and I agree with it. The church is always forming and reforming. Mm, okay. and, and, and so because I would say that as an individual, we talk about sanctification, where God is sanctifying us, which is the process of conforming and shaping us more into the image of Jesus. Mm. Well, what's the corporate form of that? Mm. Because I think some, so many times, and this is where an American individualistic mindset yeah. hinders our understanding of, of the Scripture in a deeper manner. Because we'll, we'll look at sanctification and we'll just apply it individually. Yeah. Okay, well, no, no, no. You also need to apply it corporately, mm. So, which is why the church should always be in this state of renewal. It should be constantly subjecting herself, and I say herself because you know it's the bride, you know the church is the bride of Christ to the, this formation, this spiritual formation. This, and I use the word revitalize because that has been used a lot in the in the church world. world where you know revitalization for me is the corporate form of sanctification. You're wanting wow. to be more formed as a corporate body into the image of Jesus. Mm. Okay, well, so then, all right, so 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 take this, you know, the, the this, this is the second challenge that I had under the three challenges. So instead of asking your current church to change to accommodate your preferences, it would be first wise to ask the Lord to change you. Okay, so again, this is where, all right, what what am I asking the church to change? Yeah. Because you might not have... The, you, you might not have a a thirty thousand foot view of how the church is trying to go about engaging not only the people that are currently there, but the people who are yet to be there. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so also you have to like one of the biggest things I've heard over the years, and I'll just go ahead and say it. You know, might as well is services are just too long. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be very pastoral here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so it 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 just it it dumbfounds me mm. when I hear Christians say the service is too long. But we will. We've not asked Hollywood to shorten their videos. 
we've not asked Dr. Phillips Arena to to hold shorter plays. Hmm. We've not asked Major League Baseball or the NBA to to shorten the the, the time of either the quarters or the halves or the length of a baseball game, but but when it comes to the bride of Christ gathering together to worship our king, we somehow want to lessen that experience. Hmm. I, I, I am at a loss for words. Hmm. And because on the thing that should be, not, not only the culmination of our week, but the beginning of our week, because Sunday is the first day of the week, or Saturday's the last day of the week. We somehow say, you know what? We're too busy to give you, Lord, our King who died for us. We're too busy and too bored mm. Mm. to give you an hour and 15, an hour and 20, maybe even an hour and 30 minutes. Mm. And then when you look at the trend, a lot of those complaints aren't even coming from the people who come every week, but maybe every other week or once a month. Mm-hmm. So in so in a given month, because we know that church church attendance trends have changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you think about it in even a year long, so 12 months, 52 weeks, most people aren't going 52 weeks. They're... They're, they're wanting you to shorten it. Like, I got this email that said, we, here's the religious experience that we're looking for. We're looking for a 25-minute sermon, a, an hour-long, no longer than an hour-long worship experience. Okay, so you're not even going to go to church 52. No one, I mean, there might be one or two people that have perfect attendance every year, but but you got vacation and all that. Like, so, but but just the average, just the trend, half, they're only coming half of those 52 weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you know how many weeks that that is? 27. 27. I only can give, I'll only give God 27 hours a year to be with his people to worship him. I, I just, I mean, we watch, and, and then when you look at how much TV we watch a day. <laughs> That's what my yeah. thought was. Yeah. I mean, uh, anywhere from four to six hours a, a day. day. A day. So so Christians need to get our priorities straight. Mm-hmm. We do. And, and so here's what I would say, and this is and this is part of the vulnerability, right, is in this particular realm of like – uh, of church experience of how long we worship, I'm going to err on the side of longer mm. than shorter mm. because God's worth it. Mm. Um, and 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 so, but but if you want a shorter experience, mm. I know that there are churches out there. But here's the other thing that I, you know, because people say, well, people's attention span and this and that, and and again, like I. I would rather people go in and out listening, but being part of the the, the gathering yeah. and conditioning people. Because the reason why our people, you know, people have done this is because they've been conditioned to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
which is why, like in the things that they love, they've they've conditioned to sit through a nine inning ball game. Sure. They've conditioned themselves to sit through an NBA game. They've conditioned themselves to, and if they have to go use the bathroom, you know, then they go use the bathroom. They just miss a little portion. I mean, it's, it, I mean, but we've conditioned ourselves. We've not lessened a lot of these other experiences because we've conditioned ourselves. Sure. For this expectation. I think what has happened over the years is that we've allowed the naysayers and those who have been critical of the length of sermon or the length of service mm. to actually then condition the structure of the service, and we've allowed man to be the center of the worship gathering and not Jesus. Mm. But so let's start with Jesus. Hmm. Let's let's start with making sure we honor him right. Because here's another thing that I would again, this is extra take, so I'm gonna go a little bit deeper. Is you have to understand too, like the the pastors, their aim, hmm. and what they're trying to do, uh, what God's called them to do. And I, I would I would say that I would hope in the grand scheme of things that every pastor has been called the shepherd and to help people understand the Bible. But they might do that in different ways. Uh, some might be more story driven. Mm. Some might be more topical driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more exegetically driven by the text. So, so when I prepare a message, I'm driven more by the text mm. than I am the topic. Mm. So, I want to make sure that at the very end of the day, when when all is said and done, not only have I I've, have I outlined the main point of that text, but I have uncovered and unearthed. In a deeper manner, that main point from the text. So if it takes me 30 minutes, it takes me 30 minutes. If it takes me 40, 45, 50 minutes, it, like, I want people to know the word. That's my heart. I want people to, if you sit under my teaching, mm. you will know the word better, mm. not, ju- not just things about God better. Mm. Uh, because I want you to be able to study the word on your own. And, and so, but again, for me, I'm, I'm not driven by time. I'm really driven by the king and and the and the, and the context of okay, we we want to honor the king well through song, through prayer, mm. uh, through observance of sacraments, through the preaching, and and and, not, and and yes, even in a socially constructed way, trying to do so in about an hour and fifteen, an hour twenty minutes. But if you are. If you're looking for a shorter experience, I know that there are great churches out there that give you a shorter experience, but don't criticize and condemn a church who doesn't fit your time constraints. The time constraints, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think a really, really important part in that is um, thinking about and understanding you know, the primary secondary and tertiary issues and, and not trying to make what's secondary and tertiary primary. Um, and, and we do see that, right? We get all out of whack when we, when we make it primary and, and then, you know, want to wanna leave or, or want the church to change. Um, but where the, what I'm hearing from you is, is where the reform should continually happen is making sure that you know, yes. the, the, the main thing is the main thing. And, yes. and and here's the other thing that I – like I understand that there are different learning styles out there. Mm. Now, if if you really begin to look at just my preaching in its entirety, I try to use different techniques. Sure. 
I try to use the video screen behind me with images. Mm-hmm. I try to put up text where you're reading and you're not just listening. Mm-hmm. I try to move multiple times. Like mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why I went years ago to a table and chair, mm-hmm. that I'm constantly moving. I sit down, I stand up. I sit down, I stand up, I walk around. Like mm-hmm. Because we are attracted to movement. But also, I vary my voice. Mm. There's times where I get heightened. Sometimes I stay up there. Sometimes <laughs> I get soft. Yeah. I mean, again, these are all techniques. But but I understand that that my teaching and and learning in some sense style might not be suited to everybody, and I get that. Mm. So you might need somebody that's different. Okay. But you don't have to, and I'm not saying that anybody has here, but but you don't have to condemn and, and put me down and tear me down because I'm not your cup of tea. Sure. Like, I, you know, and so I, we have so many different churches, so many different kinds of leaders. Like, yeah. like I, I want you to go, where, and that's part of where, like, I want you to grow where you're going to be challenged the most. Sure, yeah. I want you to go, I want you to go where you're going to grow. So if you're not going to grow under me because it's 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 hard to hear me or listen to me or you know I I can't change my accent you, you know so but but again like there's no sense in tearing down a church for for things that sometimes they can't even control sure yeah, yeah. or nor do they want to control it sure so so for our final question I yeah. wanna I wanna bring up you know what we have going on these next two months yeah so we have these cultural engagement series. You have uh, you've talked about kind of the the high level view of what the preaching rhythm and schedule is going to look like. Right. Coming up, we have the the A and E series and, and then the TED series. Can you talk a little bit more about you know what those are and uh, and just why we would do those? So, you know, and and the well, the the big picture of cultural engagement is just how we as the church and as Christians look at. Mm interpret, process what we see going on in the larger culture. Mm-hmm. And so so every summer, we will look at two facets of cultural engagement. A&E series, which is our arts and entertainment, and then TED series, our theological educational discourses. So, so for this year, we're going to do Hamilton through the eyes of the gospel. And so when, when you think of that play... Like it is interesting that our our the kind of the movies that are created, the songs and the plays that are are created in our culture, they really serve as a cultural anthropology and theology. So it's a it's a culture like the the theology or the study of of humanity, and then also what we also even sometimes we even believe about God. So when you take Hamilton, this is a series that really does celebrate. The diversity of arts. Yeah. So they are taking a historical figure, trying to be as as true and consistent to his biographical, you know, sketch of, of his life, but put it to hip hop. Yeah. And, and so, so there there is this appreciation that we should have of art and and the the ability to take something like that, uh, again, a historical sketch, and to put it to music, but to, to put it in into this kind of genre of music, like, let's celebrate that. I think that is worth celebrating. So that's a that's a form of, of culture that we can look at and go, man, good job, man. That's awesome. Like, it's... Mm. Um, but, but then think about the anthropology of what they're celebrating. Mm. And so that's one of the things I can't wait to unpack this week weekend is that I think we ought to celebrate 
founding fathers like Alexander Hamilton. And the whole play is the is why we should celebrate him and and how he was used in such a, an incredible way to to really give birth to the nation as we actually even know it now. Mm. But if but here's a here's a big thing though, and this is why I'm going to try to help people to process this because it's also going to help us to have really good organic natural conversations with people who like the play. Yeah. All right. So just so so think about how much time went into the celebration of this one man and what he did. Mm. So Alexander Hamilton ultimately was a good and decent man who helped shape actually a, a great nation. So he, he helped it. I mean, he didn't create it by his, but, but he helped. He played a huge role in it. But w- let's celebrate that. But, but we're being true. Now, here's the thing. As we read the book uh, that was based upon, and I've been, uh, I try to, you know, I try to, it's an 800-page book by Chanau or his yeah, name. Uh, but again, it's a histo- it's it's someone who tried to uncover the history of Alexander Hamilton. Um, and again, they're really trying to, and I've, I've listened to multiple takes, like they really tried to represent Alexander Hamilton well, historically. And, and so when, when you're faced with the facts, you come to this conclusion that Alexander Hamilton was a good, decent man. Now, he had he, this one of the things that we're talking He had some faults, too. Oh, yeah. So he's he's just a man. Yeah. But, but he was a good, decent man that helped shape a great nation. Mm. And what I'm going to help, help people process like this coming week is, all right, so that's based upon just some limited knowledge that we have from, from documents that he wrote that was passed down from his family, from Eliza, and this is what we come to the conclusion of. All right, now we got to look at the Gospels. Hmm. Here are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Hmm. Many of them eyewitnesses, some interviewing eyewitnesses within a span, a, a short span of when Jesus lived, died, and rose again. Hmm. And so what we're going to do, we're going to look at, so the similar facts that we see about Alexander Hamilton, we're going to look at some of the, sim, like, it's, it's, it's crazy how some of the similar, like, we're going to look at the background, we're going to look at, you know, sure. but we're going to look at what they did. Sure. And what they said. Hmm. Hmm. And then what are the lasting effects from each? Hmm. So again, when you look at Alexander Hamilton, you're going to go, good man, who helped help shape a great nation. Jesus is not just a man. Because, like, again, he didn't claim just to be a man. Mm. He's the God-man that gave birth to new creation. Amen. Mm. And, and so, but, you, but this is where I'm, I'm wanting, because, because a lot of times, you know, again, cultural anthropology, what we celebrate, and, 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 and what we're saying, well, we're, we're trying to really be true. Okay, if you're really trying to be true, which I think we are with the with the creation, uh, you, you know, of, of of the actual play Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So if you want to take it at face value, the Gospels, mm. and for two thousand years, if you want to look now, yes, there, there's some there's some ugliness, but it's not because it's not because Jesus said we want, I want my people to be ugly, you, you know, I want my people to to do things that I told them not to do, like mm-hmm. you, you know. But if you're just going to be honest with the brutal fact. 
works, mm. then you have to come to the conclusion of either Jesus was the God-man who gave birth to new creation, or he was the great lunatic yeah. that led the world astray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was, that's just the first week. But that's how we're going to look at the cultural engagement is, though, you know, we're, we're going to use the culture and how they put things together and, and how they think and go, okay, let's just use that logic mm-hmm. and let's apply it to the realm of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to look at some other themes and stuff like Eliza. Mm-hmm. One of the cool things about Eliza is that Alexander Hamilton, if you've seen the play, you know the history, he had an affair. Mm-hmm. He hurt Eliza deeply. Yeah. But Eliza actually was a, was a woman of great faith. Like, she was a believer. Not only did she forgive him, mm-hmm. but she's, she's the main reason we have so much of Alexander Hamilton's stuff mm-hmm. because she wanted to carry on his legacy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you got two things working there, right? Mm. You got on the first hand, where does this deep-seated forgiveness even come from? That not only do you forgive him, but you believe in him so much that you want to carry on his legacy. Yeah, wow. Well, so now let's let's, let's look at it through the lens of the gospel. Mm. Okay, so we had an affair on God. Like, we cheated on him. We committed rebellion, treason because of our sin and disobedience. Yet Jesus is the greater Eliza who forgave us because he was perfect. He forgave us. And not only did he forgive, for, 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 forgave us, but he invites us in to extend his ongoing living legacy because he's not dead. Mm. And, and so the only way that you would do that is if you believe in what he did. Hmm. Just the way Eliza believed in who Alexander Hamilton was and what he was what he was writing about, what he was trying to articulate, what he was trying she believed in it enough to continue on his legacy even after he died. Hmm. The only way that we'll ever continue on the living legacy a.k.a. the mission of Jesus, is if we truly love him, because Eliza loved him, and believe in him. Mm-hmm. I mean, so again, that, that, wow. but, but we're using, but we're using this, this play, this, this cultural element, this artifact that has been created and using it and, 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 and taking the gospel yeah. and letting that be the lens to how we, we interpret and how we can use that to have gospel conversation. That's wonderful. So, so yeah. that's that's going to be in the month of June. Yeah, that's our Andy series, and then just quickly, the month of July will be Ted. What will be will we be covering? Yeah. So Ted? this year, Ted, we're going to look at our primary doctrines, and I think it's very important yep. for us to to constantly be aware of and know our primary doctrines. Now, yep. in the future, it might be on things like identity. Mm. Might be thing like things on politics, mm. uh, sexuality. Mm. Like we're, we're looking at topics that are very relevant mm. in our culture, and we're going to share what the Bible has to say about those topics. So, so that really is kind of our topical series, but more so through 
the the uh, letting the the culture and, and what's relevant and what's ongoing right like should a you know should Christians boycott that would be a good TED sure. you, you know series this theological you know around should should we boycott mm-hmm. you, you know so now we're not getting because people are like. Well, should we? Uh, well, I mean, okay, uh, we're not getting there yet, but <laughs> uh, you know, at some point, twenty twenty-seven. You know, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, we we want to take. But I feel like where Northland is, yeah, it's really important for us to be. Uh, well, I say be aware of and understand what our primary doctrines are. Not our secondary, not in which I'll you know in the first message I'll talk about. Here's primary, here's secondary, and here's tertiary, and so yeah. And I, I love that because most churches stay away from that. They don't want to have those conversations, those deep conversations. Yeah. You know, so that's that's really good. Yeah. I really enjoy well, that. And I love that series setup. Uh, both, one, the Hamilton, because now we can have other conversations because, you know, even though Hamilton happened a while ago— People still talk about it. <laughs> it it's, it, it, I mean, it's one of the biggest plays of all time. I, and I, I, but it took. I mean, it, it took Broadway by storm. Even seven years later, yes. we're still doing it. Like, I mean, it's. Yeah. It, it, so people are familiar with it. Right. So, it, and and that's it's something that I really do want to help our people with. Like, uh, I, I can't. I know it was a couple of weeks ago, but when I talked about, I have these these questions for the larger culture. Basically, what I was doing is I was giving Christians not not ammunition to shoot to wound, but but ammunition to really have, I mean, deep conversations with people far from Jesus. Like, help me understand. Yeah. Like, like I I, I grant it that the church you've accused the church of doing this in the past, and and yes, to a degree the church has done it, and I'm very sorry. But aren't you doing the same thing? Exactly. You know, because I want because I want the culture to be very honest. Yes, you are doing the same thing because it goes back to this idea of power. You want because it's as old as Adam and Eve. The whole lie. The whole lie was God. He has. He's all powerful, but he's held out on you and hasn't given you everything that you need. Mm. So I'm going to take control of my own hands and provide for myself what I feel like God has has not done for me. Mm. And it was all about power. Yeah. And, and so I mean, again, That's and whoever's in the seat of power, they they think and and, and rightfully well, and, and 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 kind of a, a, a right way or a right kind of way of thinking in, in their their regard is like if I'm in the seat of power I get to control things. Well, yeah, yeah I mean that, that that is right, but but also how you use that power is indicative of the heart mm. that you have. Mm. <laughs> Which is why the church should always use power in, in a way that glorifies the Lord and for the good of people. Um, now, but again, but that doesn't mean, and this is where people would say, well, then, yeah, you just need to affirm. No, no, no. That's not good for people because if you affirm people in their sin, you keep them separated from God. God. Like, so anyway, so I mean, again, we, we can keep, yeah, I mean, this is one of the things I love about extra takes. We just, we can just dive and we take it wherever it goes. But, but I mean, yeah, it's, it, 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 it is fascinating. The whole idea and conversation of power. Yes, it's a whole. Uh, and the reason yeah. why I, I, I like that is because I wrote wrote on that years ago in my dissertation. 
Well, and we look forward to uh, these next couple months and and giving us opportunities to um, um, to dig in and and to think critically about our culture and about our faith. Uh, we hope you enjoyed um, this. Um, this conversation around those two topics of church reviews and church shopping. Reminder, they're both on joshlaxton.com. We would encourage you to uh, to use this um, after you've read it, maybe you've already read them or after you've read the, those articles to, to think deeply about um, about those, those topics and conversations and how we are set apart. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks, Joe, for Thank joining you. us. Peace. I definitely look forward to my carrot cake soon. So, <laughs> well, Northland Family and Friends is such a joy for for us to bring this to you week in and week out. Pray that you have a wonderful rest of your day, and we will see you soon. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.